Hello and welcome to the Rekindled Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Griffith. And in today's episode, I am so excited to have Dr. Jason Allen, who serves as the president of Midwestern Seminary, where I'm going to be attending starting next month on the podcast today to talk about just the the future of the gospel and for for the future of people that are going to be serving in ministry and and his advice to those people on how they can be for the church and and serve God's kingdom in the future. So with that, with, with that being said, um, Dr. Allen, would you like to kind of introduce yourself? Brendan, delighted to be with you today. I hope, I hope our brief conversation is helpful to you and, uh, and to, your, to your listeners. I'm so encouraged to hear your story a bit as we talked prior to the recording starting. Uh, the fact you're getting to, to experience your first foray into ministry and uh, you're starting here as an Accelerate student at Spurgeon College of Midwestern Seminary. And by the way, that's a great degree. You get to accomplish an undergraduate degree and an MDiv degree together in about five years. And so good for you. I'm glad that's available to you. I pray God uses it in a very rich way uh, in your life. Uh, you mentioned my name. My name is Jason Allen. I've served here at Midwestern Seminary since October of 2012. So I'm about to complete my 10th year as president here. And it's been a sweet 10 years. When my wife and I and our kids moved to Kansas City 10 years ago, I had five kids ages nine to, to three. Now I have five kids still that are ages 19 to uh, just turn 14. And so we are super encouraged and super thankful what God's given us here. Kids have grown up on the campus. We love Kansas City. It's been a sweet decade. And just as our kids have grown up here, the seminary has really grown up here too. Uh, the past two years, we went from about 1,100 students to this year, we finished right at 5,000. And so we're profoundly thankful for that. And uh, especially in the broader context of theological education and higher education, where so many schools are struggling and uh, are plateaued to declining from an enrollment standpoint and struggling financially. And so we do not take for granted God's kindness on us. And it's not just the enrollment gains God has given us. Uh, it's also the stellar faculty he's given us, uh, the campus facilities he's given us, both new and, and renovated facilities. And so it's been a sweet, sweet 10 years here. And I think what has um, really what has really caused that growth, obviously God's kind of providence, but what has even inclined his kind providence towards us has been our rabid commitment to the local church. And so we talk a lot here about those three words for the church. And so we want all of our students to be trained uh, specifically with an eye towards local church ministry. Now, we understand God calls many of our students and many of our graduates to serve in context beyond the local church. We have military chaplains and biblical counselors being trained and so many other roles here that one may be equipped for that, that is not directly tied to the local church. But even those roles, we hope our students see those as in indirect ways, strengthening and supporting the church. But for the bulk of our students, they are going to graduate. They're going to be pastors, youth pastors, music ministers, and uh, college ministers. And they're going to teach in Bible colleges and seminaries. So we are, from start to finish, really, really consistent about talking about the primacy of local church service and us encouraging our students to be poised for such service. And so for me, then, to rewind back a touch more for my service here to my own sense of calling, um, for me, that really crystallized in my life in college. I'm from Mobile, Alabama. My wife's from Mobile, Alabama, and uh, we both grew up in Christian homes and Baptist churches, but both of us be actually became followers of Christ in college. Uh, we met in college, and we obviously were, were married uh, right after college, and uh, God has just blessed that marriage and the family and the ministry he's entrusted to us. 
for me, that call to ministry really came together my junior year in college and a profound sense of calling uh, to pastor. And so I spent many years pastoring. I did the MDiv and PhD degrees and really with an eye towards the pastorate all along. But um, funny thing happened about 10 years ago, God redirected me from really a future in local church service towards a future in theological education. So here I am. But that love for local church shows up here on this campus as we talk about about for the church. That's awesome. And it's kind of a kind of a weird kind of weird how God works things out in my life. So I'm 19 years old right now, 20 on Thursday. Um, I felt called. I, I felt like kind of almost from the point I, I got saved when I was 15. I kind of felt led towards ministry, but, you know, I kind of let things like I didn't think I was capable and those type of things hold me back. And then when I was 17, I, I realized I couldn't run from that calling. So um, I was at a camp and they gifted us a book. It was it was it was discerning your call to ministry by you. And at the time, I didn't know that. So uh, I heard of yeah, exactly. So um, earlier this year, I went to a preview day at Spurgeon College in Midwestern, and and you guys also gifted us that same book. And that book was so so influential to my early to kind of discerning my call early on. Um, and, and to realize that was by you because I got the book. I didn't realize, I didn't realize it was by you. And that, I mean, that played no aspect in me choosing Midwestern, but it was kind of cool that God led me that direction. And then to see it was from you, uh, just, just another awesome thing, just to kind of see the heart for the church through that book. But it's kind of cool how God, which camp were you at? Uh, it was, it was actually super summer at Oklahoma Baptist university. Okay, good for you. Well, I'm glad they I, used that book. Yeah, I, I can't remember if they directly gave it to us or if someone, one of my like team leaders, gave it to me. But either which way, it was it was a great book and super influential for me. But um, the first question I had for you today, man, was uh, for someone kind of like me who maybe has people around them to kind of guide them through this, or maybe they don't. Um, either which way, we can always use more advice. But what would your biggest piece of advice to someone who's going into the ministry now be? Yeah, I would say, first and foremost, look towards your local church. And let me unpack that for a moment. And I'll unpack it both in biblical and in practical terms. Biblically speaking, the New Testament is all about the local church. Christ promised to build his church. Christ died for his church. Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, the church is birthed under Peter's preaching. Throughout the book of Acts, we see the church spreading and churches being planted. The New Testament epistles, what are they? They are letters to churches, most often, or to believers about the church. And so we are taught how to, how to teach, how to worship, how to live the Christian life, how the church is to organize itself, what is to believe, what is to teach, and so forth. Then you come to the very end of the New Testament, you see the book of Revelation. And what is the book of Revelation? Well, it's Jesus delivering seven letters conveying seven messages to seven literal first century churches. And then the end of the book of Revelation, the remainder of the book of Revelation is all about the unfolding of history and how Christ will come back ultimately for his church and we will rule and reign forever with him. So the point I'm making is, biblically speaking, the story of the New Testament is the story of the local church. And we have to remember that. We, we, we live in an age where parachurch ministries are, are prevalent and that can be good. That's not altogether bad, but, but it is not good if those parachurch ministries begin to elbow out and crowd out the centrality of the local church. More specifically, though, the local church also 
uh, needs ministers. In Ephesians chapter 4, Jesus talks about gifting his church with apostles and prophets and pastors and ministers and evangelists for, the, for to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so that's part of the divine plan. Christ is gifting his church with these individuals. What is more, we see in the New Testament, that the church itself is held accountable for those whom it calls to teach and preach to it. So, for instance, in 2 Timothy chapter uh, chapter 4, you know, Paul talks about they will accumulate for themselves teachers who will tickle their ears. Well, that's a reminder that every local church is responsible for who that local church calls at its pastor. And if a local church calls a pastor who only dispenses cotton candy from the pulpit, well, shame on that church for tolerating and for being drawn to one who would only dispense cotton candy. So the church is responsible for who it calls to, to pastor and to serve in ministry roles in its context. Additionally, though, the church is also called to affirm those who are called to ministry. So at Midwestern Seminary, we don't, we don't credential you for the ministry. We don't license you for the ministry. We don't ordain you to the ministry. And we don't, we don't even um, affirm your call to ministry. Now, we do our best from an admissions process, from the admissions side of things, do our very best to clarify a person's call and where they are spiritually. And so we do our best to be institutionally responsible, but we understand ultimately uh, we're dealing with the applicants the churches send to us. So the church is there to sense who God's calling. The church is there to recognize that calling and set them apart. The church is there to give them ministry responsibilities. The church is there to give them ministry affirmation if it develops that far. The church is there even to support them and encourage them on to a seminary like Midwestern Seminary, most conventionally speaking, to, um, to see that call fulfilled. Um, I would also say, though, so those are kind of the broad stroke, brush strokes of, of the biblical rationale why I'm saying you need to go to your church, go to your church, go to your church. Practically speaking, you need to go to your church because you are ill-equipped at the age of 19, 20, 24, 26 to personally self-assess where you are spiritually in your call to ministry. I wrestled with the call to ministry for a couple of years because it was all so confusing to me and mysterious to me. And then when I had some people in the context of my local church begin to speak scripture to me and other basic Christian beliefs and understandings about the call to ministry, it wasn't until then that it really clarified for me. So your ability to self-assess yourself for ministry is actually pretty limited. You need a local church to give you that. You need, you need pastors and elders who will mentor you, who will help you to interpret your call to ministry, help you assess that call to ministry, speak into your life about what you need to particularly uh, seek to strengthen in your ministry preparation. So I'm going to point you back to the church, back to the church, back to the church. And then ultimately, as that develops and that, that call to ministry continues to intensify, well, it often gets to a seminary like Midwestern. Where, where you go there for, for fuller training. Well, wait a minute, can't a church train me for ministry? Well, some churches can, but most churches don't have the resources in of themselves. Most churches don't have a Greek professor in their church. Most churches don't have a Hebrew professor in their church. Most churches don't have someone who can actually teach church history and theology and ethics and philosophy and so forth. So the resources in the main are at a place like Midwestern Seminary far outstrip what any particular local church can unto themselves provide. And so that calling with the church's affirmation tends to get to a place like Midwestern Seminary. And I would say to you, find a seminary that's committed to local church, that's committed to sound doctrine, absolutely committed to the Bible's word of God, that isn't confused about the great cultural flashpoints of our age, issues like sexuality and marriage and gender and all the rest. Make sure you're in a seminary that, that upholds faithful Christian teaching. Now, there are additional seminaries beyond Midwestern Seminary that, 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 that do that, but there aren't that many beyond Midwestern Seminary. 
So you have to be very selective, very careful. And uh, you mentioned my book, Discerning Your Call to Ministry. I touch on these realities. So I have another book that came out, uh, I believe, last year, Succeeding in Seminary, about, um, about how to get the most out of your theological education, about how to get the most out of your seminary training. And in that book, I talk about how to pick a seminary. And so I would encourage your listeners to peruse that book, look at it, to help inform even their decision-making. Awesome. And there just briefly, you hit on kind of some of the cultural issues that we face today as a church, as someone going into ministry, and beyond that, as a Christian in general, some of the issues that we face nowadays um, with, you know, transgenderism, all all of those type of things. Um, So my next question and my last question for you today is, for people going into ministry, and, and I guess I can broaden that to people that are Christians today, what do you feel is the biggest challenge that we're going to face in our lifetime um, as kingdom workers? Yeah, so I, I gave a lengthy answer to your first question and kind of ran through the clock here un- unintentionally on you, so I'll be brief here on this one, Brendan. I think the biggest challenges churches believers are facing in our generation is what's been referred to as this collision of liberties. You have religious liberty that we cherish in America and that Baptists particularly believe and defend. But then you have this new set of, of quote, liberties developed, um, sexual liberty, liberty of identity, how I want to identify myself, marital liberty to marry whomever or whatever, or how many ever I choose. And then the collision of those two, because when you get to speak clearly, convictionally about what the Bible teaches about issues of sexuality, of gender, of marriage, when you speak clearly about those, our modern culture, they not only find that um, unattractive, they find it absolutely offensive. They often find it enraging. And so to be a people who will clearly and consistently preach the biblical text, teach the biblical text, regardless of political or social or cultural consequences. That's the great challenge. And so I want to encourage you and your listeners to be strong, to be faithful to the word of God, to preach and teach that with authority and with conviction, understanding that everyone's going to like that message. In fact, many won't like that message, but ultimately we need to make sure the Lord himself likes that message, likes our message. And as we're faithful to him, doesn't matter who else finds us um, unfaithful, in a human perspective. So thank you so much for that, Brendan, and for the conversation today. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate you coming on, just shedding some truth on us. So um, yeah, absolutely. So guys, if you are looking into a seminary, definitely, you know, give Midwestern a call. Uh, They checked all the boxes for me personally, and it may be the same for you. So whatever that looks like for you guys, just like you said, just choose to please God and not please our society. And with that being said, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Rekindled. I will see you guys in the next one. Peace out.